Well, good morning, team. It's always an extraordinary privilege to uh, share God's Word with you. And I, I just think it's, it's amazing that you um, honour me by, by listening. And uh, I just say thank you for that. Uh, I just appreciate it so much. And I uh, just pray God, God will bless you hugely. For those who don't know, we're, we're doing a series through this extraordinary counterculture teaching of Jesus when he taught uh, the Beatitudes. And he taught attitudes and principles uh, that reflect the heart and character of God. And they're shatteringly different from that of the world. And we're going through them one by one. And we've come to the seventh one. And... Uh, here it is. <clears throat> but before I do, let me introduce it by saying that the Peacemaker, according to the Pentagon, is a Corvair B-36, the largest production bomber ever made. Has a wingspan of 70 meters. That's not bad, is it? 70 meters. Length of 50 meters, bigger than a Boeing 747. The Peacemaker was a symbol of American might. It was a sanitary reminder that America could deliver an atomic bomb anywhere in, in the world at any time. Uh, the Peacemaker is, according to Hollywood, uh, George Clooney and Nicole Kidman running around with pistols trying to thwart uh, a plan of Yugoslavian terrorists to blow up Manhattan. <coughs> so now you know. But what is a peacemaker, according to God? I thought it might be interesting just to just examine the crazy idea of peacemaking. Because it is a, an extraordinary philosophical idea. Um, because nature tells us, and as a biologist I can tell you, uh, that nature is red in tooth and claw, to quote Alfred Lloyd Tennyson. Uh, and and anything in nature will kill, destroy, enslave, do whatever is necessary uh, to thrive so it can pass its, its genes on to the next generation. Uh, and and that's, that's basically how the law of the jungle works. And when you actually throw off the principles of God, there's actually nothing to define what basic good is. And, and the danger is, is that societies end up looking the same. And so we get Hitler's socialism or Pol Pot. So it's an extraordinary weird idea. The object, of course, is to be more dangerous, more powerful, or more violent than your competitors. And that's the philosophy behind sending troops to be peacekeepers, isn't it? I mean, uh, many governments in the world seek to <coughs> engage in this sort of redemptive violence, enforcing submission by the threat of violence in order to gain peace. It's kind of weird, isn't it, don't you think? The difficulty with this philosophy is, of course, can inf inflame a greater resentment amongst some. Um, and of course, once the peace enforcers leave, violence quite often breaks out uh, because the real issues have never properly been addressed and the skills of negotiation and peace have never been learned. Uh, but unfortunately, unless they are, you're in trouble. 
because enforced peace is useless unless the time of enforced peace, the time that it buys, allows people to address the underlying issues. So true peace can never be obtained by violence alone. It is just impossible. True peace requires greater skill, greater passion, greater courage, greater wisdom, greater humility, and it requires the services of a peacemaker. And we're not talking about any sort of peace. We're not talking about a superficial peace. We're talking about a particular quality of peace, uh, a, a quality of peace that reflects the, the inherent nature of the one true God, maker of the universe. So what does God tell us about peace? Well, of course, the, uh, the, the full nature of God must remain a mystery to us in, in good part. Because if we could fully understand God, we would be greater than God, wouldn't we? So th th there must logically be some mystery. But God in his grace has said, I want to tell you what I'm like. I want you to share my character. I want you to, to, to share my dreams. And so God reveals himself as he actually is. He doesn't, he doesn't put a mask on and say, well, this is... This is uh, this will this will do this will this will do for you at the moment. He actually, says, actually no. The things that I tell you about myself are actually true, uh, and so he reveals the fact that <coughs> that he exists in a form of a loving, mutually indwelling community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the reason why why God created uh, was to invite you and me to to share in this extraordinary community that that is God. Uh, and this means living in harmonious, mutually enriching relationships. And so that explains why they are the ultimate priority for God. And so it's really interesting that, that uh, violence, estrangement, disunity are fundamentally ungodly and it's significant that all the opposite values of peace are associated with the works of the devil. We, we read there in John 10 where Jesus says that the thief or Satan has come to steal, to kill and destroy. Just fundamentally different from peace. And the Bible says, reminds you that, uh, you know, to, to, um, to not hang out with people who are quarrelsome, quarrelsome and are quick-tempered. And Proverbs tells us to avoid such people. Uh, and uh, to, such behavior leads to folly and strife. And so that's, that's a little bit of sort of the background of, of, of biblical peace. God is a peace-making God. And at Christmas here, you know, the birth of Jesus uh, where, where God himself would invade history and come as the most vulnerable child. And, um, and he, he, he would come as a child. Uh, and the angels of heaven would come to a bunch of irreligious, non-church-going Palestinian shepherds and say, peace on earth. Because God was sending his son, the, indwelling this little baby 
who was going to grow up and die and take the blame for your sin and my sin so that there need to be, needs to be no problem with us hanging out with the God of the universe and fulfilling your eternal destiny. And that was the commitment that God made as he sought to bring peace again between humanity and God rather than estrangement because we were not godlike in holiness. And so the seventh beatitude is simply this, where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. And I love this. Because they will be called sons of God. Which is pretty special, isn't it? Because, you know, when Jesus come, comes to planet Earth, He was the Son of God. And he came to bring peace between us and God. And if we catch that same spirit, we get called sons of God. But let me just tell you that uh, peacemaking is gutsy work. It's not for the faint-hearted. Being a peacemaker requires more than having a peaceful attitude. It means bringing peace to situations where there is no peace. And that's not for the faint-hearted. There was no, no peace between the African National Congress and the South African government before the year 2000. Uh, and, and many predicted a bloodbath, you may remember. However, in that year, a man called Nelson Mandela was released from prison after 28 years. He emerged amazingly with no bitterness, no recriminations, and with a burning desire for peace. And the transition to black majority rule was achieved without the massive bloodshed that was predicted in large part due to his influence. And Mandela, who himself had led the military wing of the ANC, not at all peaceful, had become a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker is more than sentimental wish that never translates into action. It's, it's gutsy, it's heroic work. It, it, it's the task of invading brokenness, invading hate, invading violence, invading injustice with love, peace, community, justice, righteousness, and hope. And so being a peacemaker is gutsy stuff. And it also requires choice. The Apostle Paul writes to the young Christian church in Rome and he says, look, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 17, 21. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And he's saying, look, let's play our part in promoting peace with those we're in contact with. Because it takes two to have a conflict. And if I refuse to arc up, if you pick a fight with me, we can't have a fight. If I refuse to arc up when you, you pick a fight with me, it, there can be no fight, because it takes two to tango, doesn't it? And so that's really what he's saying. He's saying, um, as far as you're concerned, as much as you can affect 
situations and relationships, as far as it depends on you, be a peacemaker. But the Bible is, is pretty blunt in its teaching. It, it actually warns us not to be busybodies and get involved in other people's affairs. And so um, it warns us, because if you do, the protagonists will probably turn on you. <laughs> and uh, so we need to have the wisdom to mind our own business. It says there in Proverbs 26, verse 17. So we don't want to fall into that trap of, of getting involved in stuff which, where God has not given us permission to get involved in. And there's also the other trap as being the, the neurotic rescuer. Uh, that you, people have a neurotic need to rescue people because their identity and sense of power and self-acceptance requires it. And of course what you simply do is you build up a, a sort of codependency, uh, a, a neurotic codependency routine which is not at all true peacemaking. And we also need to appreciate that the process of gaining ultimate peace may be very non-peaceful. <laughs> Do you remember Jesus uh, saying in Matthew chapter 10, he says, look, um, and pretty much he says, look, I'm the greatest peacemaker around because I'm going to be restoring you back to God, uh, overcoming all the wonderfully creative ways we have discovered of disqualifying ourselves from God's presence. <laughs> so he's bringing peace. But he also says, look, because, because I've come, there are going to be many people who won't accept me. And there are going to be many people who violently react against me. And so what's going to happen is that father is going to be against son, daughter against mother, Fa families are going to divide really sadly simply because I have come and invited you to a restored relationship with the God of the universe. And by golly we see that, don't we? I mean, uh, we send some mission teams to India and, and there um, people can be killed for becoming Christians or certainly thrown out of the family which is actually real thoughtful when you actually preach the gospel and you, and you talk to people about the love of God and about Jesus coming to rescue you back and, and you think how dare I say that I've just flown in here on a giant toothpaste tube and, and I'm preaching the gospel to, the, to these people and then I get back on the toothpaste tube and I fly back to Australia and they've got to stay with the consequences of committing their lives to Christ and it's really tough as, um, as a pastor. What would you have done, by the way? I'll tell you what I did, but I, I might have done it wrong. Um, I just confessed that. I just simply said, look, what I'm going to say is really dangerous. And, and you'll, you'll have to carry the consequences of that and in a way that, that I won't. And I... And that bothers me, I said. But now let me tell you a love story. So that's, I was just very honest about it all. <laughs> and uh, that night, um, three beautiful villagers uh, committed their lives to Christ. And I just cried. So 
So, the war of peace. The war of peace. It could also be said that the, the Old Testament prophets didn't experience much peace, did they? Their heads chopped off. <laughs> One was called the troubler of Israel. Oh, it's you, troubler of Israel. This is because Jesus, the Old Testament prophets, and surgeons, when they're cutting away, getting the cancer out of you, actually have to inflict pain in the short term to get long-term long -term peace. So similarly, peace does not come from denying the reality of the situation. <laughs> it's not playing the ostrich, burying your head in the sand so you don't see it. That's just simply cowardly and it lacks integrity. So what sorts of things do we need to bear in mind to be a peacemaker? You've got to decide whether the issue is important, first of all, I think. That's pretty fair, isn't it? Um, if the issue at stake is a primary godly value, uh, which there can be no compromise, um, then engage in bringing peace. One of, the, one of the interesting exercises we did with a bunch of men, businessmen, and I, I just asked them to write down the core values from which they never back away from. This is in business. In Harvard Business School, they actually got a unit which talks about making use of dishonesty in business. <coughs> I staggered to find that. Did you know that, Steve? Yeah. He <laughs> had some suspicion <laughs> from what comes out of Harvard. That's right. Yeah, I, I just learned about that two weeks ago. Um, whether the issue is important, will it, will, is what's happening fracturing something that you have said, I will not back away from this? And it's quite an interesting exercise to actually write out what it is that you will live and die for. Second thing, you need to understand whether it's the right time to engage the issue, some good reasons to, to delay. Uh, you delay in order to allow emotions to cool down. <laughs> okay. Go to your corners. <laughs> That's right. Stop the fight, you see. Uh, let's delay this fight, you know. <laughs> There's actually good, good strategic wisdom in doing that sometimes. And it's also a sense of stop. Let's get a little bit more information first before. <laughs> so time uh, postponing the true peacemaking. Uh, can be done strategically when it allows for key information to come available or for emotions to cool down. But understand that doing nothing without good reason will usually encourage anger rather than diffuse it. And not addressing an issue, an evil, uh, means that uh, that evil can, can then become sort of an accepted part of uh, the culture of your organization or your family or your church. And, and then suddenly you, you, you find that the, that the whole culture of your organization uh, is toxic and you'll lose people uh, and you'll lose your mission. 
So don't run away from issues that need to be addressed. And Jesus says rather beautifully, he says, peacemakers, you guys, you're going to be called sons of God. As I said, Jesus was indisputably a peacemaker and indisputably the Son of God. And so the seventh beatitude says that peacemakers will also be called sons of God. And that's extraordinary. In other words, there's something absolutely of the Father's identity, Heavenly Father's identity that's in you. It means that you bear the family resemblance. It means that you share the Father's heart. It means you're about the Father's business. The promise is also given in Romans 8, verses 9 to 17, where it says that all those that are led by the Spirit of God, if you, if you listen to that extraordinary, quiet voice in your heart and your conscience, that comes winging in from the side, the Spirit of God, he says all, all those... All those called by the Spirit. All those led by the Spirit. If you obey that small voice of God, you are a son of God, actually. Which tells us, of course, that the Spirit, by definition, is going to be all about peacemaking, isn't it? I, I just love that. I just love that. If you are led by the Spirit of God, if you're familiar with that voice of God, uh, and you, you, you recognize the wisdom, the divine wisdom that he, that he plants into your mind in a particular situation, if you recognize that divine empowerment and that you are keying in and cooperating with God's Spirit to do things in a situation, that, then you are a son of God. And I love it because peacemakers bear the family likeness of the Heavenly Father and they concern themselves with the Heavenly Father's business which is peacemaking. And they operate with the authority of the family's name to bring that peace. They operate with the authority of the family's name. So Jesus says, look, when you pray, pray in my name. <laughs> he says, you know, we, Heavenly Father, we pray this prayer according to the, the, the at the invitation of Jesus um, as part of his ministry to honor your name. And uh, because we have the family likeness and we want to be about your business. So, that's the seventh beatitude. And it's really one that flies in the face of an awful lot of politics around the world, isn't it? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Jesus, so people want to denigrate Jesus by patting him paternally on the head and saying, oh, he's sweet. A good man. A very peaceful, loving man. He obviously never read the Bible. You know, when Jesus said, actually, I've come to bring the sword. <laughs> the peacemaker says, I've come to bring a sword. Stuff is going to happen. Family's going to divide as a result of believing in me. Uh, and of course, 
then there's another bunch who call him a rebel and a troublemaker. And uh, that's why they shut down 300 Christian organisations in the last two years in India. Um, really, because they see Christianity as trouble, as being non-Hindu, uh, uh, a troublesome imported culture, which they don't want anything to do with. And Jesus, of course, was crucified and put to death because he was a troublemaker, uh, according to Pontius Pilate. So you've got someone to pat him paternally on the head and say, he's, he's just, just nice. And the other mob wanted to get rid of him because he's a troublemaker. And somehow or other, you know, Jesus stands above that and says, actually, I'm about my heavenly father's business. And God has got a plan for you and me. And that's to restore you to the heart and purposes of God so you truly know your identity. And if you find your place in me, you will can't help but be a peacemaker because actually that's what I'm about, fundamentally. So please understand the violence of peace. Please under, understand and respect the violence of peace, the violence that took a bloke to the cross, died the most hideous death, to win that peace between you and God. So what, are the, where do, we, what do we do with this, team? What, I mean, seriously, what do we do with this? Because each one of you are going to be involved in relationships within your family, relationships at work, <laughs> relationships in the church community relationships anywhere where there's a need for peace and so God's Holy Spirit is looking to you to, to carry him into those situations and so you bring peace so this Christmas well, I, can I ask you to do that will you join with me can we encourage each other to do that is that cool? Yo, Nick? Yo, Nick. Fantastic. Let's pray.